сайн бацхануу educated podcast-ийн сонсогчдоо өнөөдөр би та бүхэндээ educated podcast-ийн хоёр дахь дугаарыг хүргэх гэж байна. Энэхүү дугаар маань онцлог нэгтгүүрт 100% англи дээр явагдаж байгаа. За хоёр дахь талхаар энэхүү дугаар дээр маань нэгтгүүнтэй байгуулгын задарчууд үйлчлэлийн програмын ахлах мэрэгчлэлтэн Петр ирж оролцсон. Тэгэхээр та бүхэнд тухлан сууж таалан сонсцоогоорой. Hello ladies and gentlemen and dear educated community and people who are listening this podcast first time. My name is Jerry. Today we are having a special guest Peter who is a specialist of the United Nations Youth Development Program. Okay, hello Peter, can you introduce yourself? Sambeno. Hello. I'm Peter. Um you can probably guess where I'm from. Maybe not. I'm from Australia and thank you very much Jerry for inviting me. Okay, uh can you just bit talk about the uh, Mongolian experience, you know? Uh you are having in Mongolia. Maybe how do you feel about Mongolia and how do you look at Mongolian youth generation as a developing world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um well, first coming to Ulaanbaatar, it wasn't such a big transition coming from Australia to uh, Mongolia, but then spending after a month here, I could um really engage with university students and youth who are unemployed and to keep in mind that you know when we define youth it's not people who are age 18 19 it's for anybody between the ages 15 and 34 um and from a um first perspective um it's quite sad to see that there is a lot of um structural inequalities that youth um have had to burden um and some unfortunately had to be born into it um and so we're looking at things such as employment opportunities level of education um even basic human needs um the social um, safety net to provide social security for university students you know my impression for the first week come to Mongolia was like oh this country is it it has its problems but it's not so bad in other countries that i've lived in um doing my work in international development um but really there is a big population of youth who are just surviving day by day yes uh maybe you have seen a lot of problems in mongolia and also solutions right and how about what was the biggest problem uh that you have seen in the youth development side in Mongolia, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to come as someone who is an outsider and telling um and prescribing people who are listening to this podcast what is the solution. Um but to provide uh, my observation here, um one of the problems that I see is that uh well, there's not a lot of public services and government um protection for youth to enable them um to go into a more secured uh future um in terms of their education in terms of housing um in terms of yes well um youth empowerment i think that is what is kind of uh lacking here and without mobilizing those resources who can youth look up to I mean 
they can look up to leaders of the world, um, they can feel inspired, but then that's only lasting for five minutes. And some people are natural born leaders. They can look up to those people and continue. But then what about the 80% who, who don't have the confidence or don't have the skills to try to develop their, their leadership skills? And, and more importantly, I guess, um, you know, when I'm talking about leadership, not everybody um, wants to be a leader, but to know um, their sense of purpose and what they want to do, um, and that it's okay that they um, uh, they'll be uh, having financial security, and that they don't have to feel pressured to go into something like, you know, business. Not saying that business is a bad thing, but you know, the things that is most commonly stereotyped as a university degree that will provide more security, but it's not necessarily what youth or what uh, an individual yes. would want to do. Yes, absolutely. That's kind of big challenge for your generation. There's a lack of empowering and lack of the maybe sponsorship from the government side to empower your generation. That's a big problem right now, yes. and. Uh, you have been used to work in Jakarta, right? As an as Australian embassy. And uh, what was the, what's the difference between maybe uh, Jakarta and Ulaanbaatar and the youth generation and the ecosystem of youth development, you know? Mm. Well, um, I guess you can say the uh, icon equivalent in Indonesia is called the Jakarta Post. And they released last week a very sad article about how, um, well, how how pessimistic the future looks like for eighty um, percent, not even eighty, maybe seventy percent of the population, which is generally very young. And it seems to me mm -hmm. that the world is following this pattern where there's intergenerational injustice, where you have to burden, um, you know have to burden the consequences which they were sadly born into. Um, let me give you a comparison and not to say that um, we should be having bias towards governments who are not empowering and supporting youth to be um, to, to have equal opportunity. Um, Australia, if you are a student, depending on your conditions, every two weeks you get minimum $400. That's 800,000 tukuruks yes. for two weeks. When we release the Human Development Report on Youth Development in 2018, um, UNDP did this, I read in the statistics that if you are a full-time student and you have a grade point average of 3.0, I think it's about, you get 140,000 tukuruks a year. Yeah. One year. One year. And then... For which students, I think? Full-time university students who have a grade point average of 3. Oh. But apparently now, that's been cancelled. You can't apply for that if you want to study. Oh. Yes. So, um, comparing uh, the social safety net to Mongolia, um, Indonesia and Mongolia, 
I mean, uh, there are two different worlds apart. Um, but some, some things that I see that fall under as a common denominator is that, you know, democracies that are fractured, weak democracies um, that have been stagnating growth for a very long time, they have not been investing in uh, youth development. And they hear it all the time here, policy makers and decision makers, um, youth are the future. Yes, absolutely. But, um, you know, sometimes that message isn't um, coming across to them. And we see that there is a big movement of youth who are going to global leaders, which now global leaders are now looking at youth to find opportunities. And hopefully this can continue, this momentum, um, which is only, I would say, effective in democracies that support a strong civil society. Then hopefully there could be, you know, a, if not a global um, change to this. Hmm. Uh, yes, absolutely. A lot of organizations, maybe civil civil organizations or the government organizations, starting to focus on new generations and the empowerment of new generations right now. But there's a still lack of development and lack of empowering. Uh, but uh, now let's talk about more personal side, you know. Uh, from the personal side, how do you look at the youth development and the self-educating process? Uh, is changing in the globally, you know, from the innovation side, and maybe uh, as a person, how do you learn and how do you develop yourself personally, and uh, how what methods do you use maybe about the internet resource? Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, how do you empower youth when they don't know how to empower themselves? Sometimes. You know, it's a matter of personality um, and sometimes, you know, when you're born into a certain culture, you think this is the way it is, but it's not. If we look at the Nordic countries where a lot of, you know, governments are trying to um, follow their model of education, where number one, competition is not really encouraged, but rather it's a human right that good quality education is given to um, their citizens, um, then, you know, you, you, you look at their countries and they're one of the um, strongest um, economies. Um, and to build a knowledge economy, you have to have all um, sectors across the public, the private and civil society who can collaborate on this. I don't think that how I've been able to um, be where I am today, it's not without my education. And if you study in Australia and you're an Australian citizen, I actually don't have to pay. I mean, later on, I have to pay for my taxes. But let's say that I want to do my undergraduate and it's going to cost me... Um, 500 million tukruks. Yeah. I don't need to pay that upfront. I can just go to school, I can drop out, and when I get an income that is very high, 
the government can just take that away, maybe 1%, maybe 2%. The mm -hmm. same thing with my masters here. Hmm. Well, yes, that's... And, and so, like, some of the mechanisms I've had to um, be someone who is curious, someone who knows how to, you know, be open to knowledge, to learn from others, um, it all starts in looking at yourself and asking, you know, what is the change that I want to be to this world? And I think, you know, you can have natural born leaders in this world at such a young age, and then you can have the quiet introverted ones who probably think like that, but don't articulate it. And then you have those who, 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 who don't have the confidence or they don't want to, you know, um, they don't want to have such a leadership role and um, be open to um, uh, lifelong learning, um, which is okay, um, but we should still all cater to try and improve education, good quality education, um, and importantly, access um, to those who really need it, especially the marginalized ones. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, there is a difference. Uh, between maybe Australia and Mongolia, there's a huge difference between the ecosystem and the structural things right now. Yes, absolutely. And uh, but the word uh, that you said the first uh, at the beginning of your the last talk was that it's hard to educate empower youth when they don't know how to empower themselves. That was quite interesting. You know, uh, maybe uh, for the youth generation who are listening this podcast. Uh, I want to say that maybe you should start from yourself, maybe uh, how, to, how can I empower myself, how can I educate myself uh, through maybe internet, maybe through other resources, maybe that's the good point, maybe before anything else, before educating in maybe any system or educating in any kind of organization or university, you should learn how to learn. That's the big thing, I think. And maybe a um, lot of you generation, maybe uh, young people are working on that. And there's a lot uh, of things and a lot of possibilities of uh, learning things through internet and through uh, maybe different kind of platforms, you know. And also, I really appreciated that uh, you have talked about the Nordic uh, countries, you know, Finland, Norway, and the educational system they have privileging right now. And uh, how about the good, uh, maybe the best practice from here and maybe uh, maybe from Australia? And can you talk about this practice, maybe? Mm -hmm. So, you know, just going back to what you were saying earlier about um, rely on online resources and there's so much out there for you to self-learn. But then one thing is how do you try to know what is the right source of information that you should be feeding yourself in? And some things, you know, you, you need to have someone who's had, had years experience and an outside perspective to give you, to, to inspire you actually and to question you more um, what you're reading and what you are feeding in and your critical skills, which frankly only comes when you receive a good education. 
you know, these things can really help you to, um, to, to, to make it very easy for you to dense very difficult information into simple language. That only comes when you receive a good education. But resolving that is a, it's a big global ambition. As for the practices in Australia and in Nordic countries here, as I said, you know, it is a human right that everybody receives good quality education. They'll put this above anything else in here. And when you see countries um, who are using education as a big marketing and business opportunity, um, I'm not saying that the quality is bad, but you are entering choppy waters there. It can be, I guess, you know, um, you're, you're losing the community collective conscience of why, you know, we are having good quality education here. Yeah. Um, I, I think what's the difference is that in Australia, we encourage youth to develop their own opinions at such a young age, where in most Asian countries, there is a very, you know, um, it's not a dictator, but, um, you know, uh, repetitious way of learning. It's more about uh, remembering rather than learning how to articulate your own opinion and then being able to synthesize that um, with um, very critical knowledge. Um, and it's not about you trying to sound like a smart ass, but um, it's you being empowered and not insecure of your own opinions and what you think and to able to express it in a very clear and coherent way. Yes, absolutely. Uh, um, maybe uh, you say that uh, the education is human right, not the privilege, right? That's uh, in maybe Nordic countries or maybe in Australia, education is the human right. Everyone should have the high quality education. But maybe now in Mongolia, we are having a lack of maybe uh, inclusivity in high quality education, and that's the big problem. And uh, but. Uh, besides that, we are maybe we can have a education through uh, maybe uh, online resources, maybe self-educating methods. And but you say that the mentor maybe the someone who would give a guideline, uh, maybe who would inspire you to learn through internet and having a good resource. Maybe choosing uh, which resource can I use, which books can I read, maybe which podcast is better for. Uh, learning maybe uh, trading or learning some kind of financial education, etc. And I have really appreciated the idea of uh, the education inclusivity. And can you talk about the uh, things you are working on, mm -hmm. maybe projects, maybe upcoming events from United Nations Development Program? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if we're talking about inclusivity and education, it's very clear that the listeners here are um, ed educated and maybe elite because they understand um, everything here because it's all in English or in Mongolian. <laughs> um, but uh, looking towards how we are promoting inclusive practices, we have this um, very strong mission to leave no one behind here. And we don't use this term very loosely. And for us, implementing Activated 2030, 
we try to incorporate um, this concept um, in all our projects and activities that we implement. Those who are left behind are people who are living in the Gir district um, who don't, who aren't even aware of such concepts of innovation, who don't have access to clean water and sanitation, who yes. can't even afford maybe to pay for a bus ticket to come to an event that we have here. Although our programs have been targeting a general um, uh, audience who have access to internet, are interested in things like entrepreneurship and innovation, um, you know, um, they have some privilege compared to those who are marginalized, but we are trying to do our best to expand. Um, and so what we tried to do in some of our programs last year was that we had a quote that if certain people were living or were born in certain districts, if they earn a certain income, um, plus their personal stories of, you know, their not just financial circumstance, but, you know, how they have faced discrimination yes. in Mongolian society. We try to give them that platform by empowering them through Activated 2030. And so that when the program is finished, they'll be able to develop their voice and define themselves to be an active citizen. And that should, in effect, um, inspire others to come out of their shells um, if they feel like they belong in vulnerable um, groups such as in Mongolian society, people who are disabled, people who identify in the LGBTI community, people who are in a different ethnicity, um, or people who are, you know, I mean, just coming from here, from an Australian perspective, you know, Mongolia is a very judgmental society and people can often be judged too much about how they look and their financial um, income. Yes. So we try to diffuse that. Yes, uh, the discrimination, right? That's the big problem, actually, maybe uh, LGBTQ community and the people who are uh, having uh, poor financial circumstances and a lot of different type of, a different group of people are having this problem right now and they uh, activated 2030s uh, Maybe has been uh, working on these problems and maybe educating and empowering uh, some kind of inspiring them uh, to become a maybe global citizen, maybe who don't discriminate others to their uh, maybe approach or appearance, maybe the gender, uh, financial circumstances. And I have, I remember that the last year, uh, Educated has uh, colonized the Activity 2030, right? And uh, there was uh, information, there's information at UNDP and the educated uh, .mn and you can see the Activated 2030, uh, the detailed information about this project and this program. And also, uh, this year is, is it going to happen or not? Yes, uh, we're branching off. It's now that um, we'll be um, co-collaborating uh, sorry, co-implementing with another project. Um, it's called localizing the SDGs. So there is a business incubator center that is opened, um, will soon to be open in Bayanshur. But the um, localizing the SDG project, we are now expanding out of um, Ulaanbaatar. 
we have um, implemented Activator 2030 in Ohon and Ulaanbaatar. Now we'll be considering to go to the west, the south, the north. Hmm. That's yeah. good. That's that that's the that's, that's the inclusivity, right? It's very inclusive right now, and mm. uh, I really I appreciate it about the Bioshu, right? You are mm. going to mm -hmm. uh, implement that project in, in Bioshu. How about uh, that? Uh, we, we we're still planning um, where to implement um, our project in which MF. Um, but because one of our um, government stakeholders and partners in Activate 2030, CIDIA, um, has invited us to um, open um, the business incubator. Uh, but keep in touch and we'll be posting um, it on our Activate 2030 Facebook page. Um, but because of this coronavirus, I really think it'll be March. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's talk about sustainable development goals generally, you know. There are still people who don't understand what is SDG. Everybody is talking about SDGs, but what is it true? What is it truly maybe mm -hmm. uh, the mm -hmm. complete and clarified perspective mm -hmm. about what is SDG? Yes. Um, the sustainable development goals. Where do I start? Maybe I'll define it first, and then I'll go into some of the common perceptions people have about the SDGs. The Sustainable Development Goals 2030, it's a global mandate for UN member country partners to implement 17 operational goals. And these goals have been identified um, across uh, all um, United Nations uh, members, as one of you know, um, the most weakest um, uh, thematic areas to improve uh, in development. Um, we have goal number one, no poverty, and you have goal um, number four, that is good education. Um, you have goal number two, zero hunger. Yeah. You have goal number five, and that is gender equality. Goal number 12, responsible consumption, and then there's goal 17, that's partnership for all goals. And all of these goals, they really do overlap. Now, this is when a lot of people have this um, perception that, oh, what is the sustainable development goals? It's just UN propaganda. Um, all of these goals are overlapping over one another. It's just a rainbow colorful wheel. Um, can we even achieve the Sustainable Development Goals by 2030? Is this just another co-finance, business, money-making, international development um, um, agenda? Uh, but, you know, as I'm very loyal to the United Nations, yes, I will take on those criticisms, but I will not accept those criticisms as well. The United Nations has been one of you know, the first organizations to initiate such global mandates. I want to give you an example. World War II, you know, yeah. looking at nuclear um, and peace agreements, looking at genocide. Yes, if you look at the past, the UN might have been having its problems to respond, but 
we've learned from those lessons, and now going from the Millennial Development Goals to the Sustainable Development Goals, we have been the ones to initiate this towards governments who may be against global cooperation and multilateralism. So as it is important to lift weak economies to become middle-income countries, there's a, a there's a, there's an overarching mission that the Sustainable Development Goals keeps peace and stability for those developing countries because it is a mandate, it's a mission for them, and a common vision which the United Nations is trying to uh, collaborate and partner um, with governments. Okay. Mm. This is the mission, this is the mandate, and this is the vision for all humanity, maybe all humankind, uh, who are living in the world and who are cooperating and who are living together, right? And maybe um, let's talk about the maybe half uh, the UNDP is cooperating and uh, maybe connecting to the Sustainable Development Goals and uh, in particularly which goals the UNDP works uh, focus on maybe? Mm -hmm. All of them. All of them. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, um, all, all goals, but you know, as a big priority, goal number 13, climate change, um, I think is what um, we'll be trying to address um, more. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Uh, now this is the also uh, almost the conclusion of the our podcast. And uh, at the end of the day, at the end of this podcast, I would like to uh, invite you to have a conclusion, maybe to have a. Uh, clear perspective about the uh, SDG and how we are going to, how we can achieve this maybe uh, as completely as possible, maybe as uh, um, strongly as possible. Mm -hmm. And how about the youth generation, uh, youth development in Mongolia, and how uh, can we empower youth generation to international and local cooperation and Please conclude this hmm. podcast. So there are a lot of goals, most goals actually, require to have um, a lot of power either from the private sector or government. But it does not stop you, for anybody listening to this podcast, um, to lead by example. Um, for example, with the climate change one, um, you can go out there and be active on social media. And, you know, as much of a trend it is, the message that you give out about climate change and using the right hashtags um, that, you, that the UN is doing to promote um, climate change and to address um, the, the challenges and the issues does have its value to it. Other ways of leaning by example, if you're looking at reducing inequalities, goal number 10, um, speak up if you see that there is um, discrimination towards your friends and your work colleagues. Um, know that, you know, um, for anybody, uh, for what sex you are, male or female, um, 
if 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 there is structural um, discrimination um, that, for example, you aren't um, getting a job based on your ethnicity, or that you're a woman and you're being expected to uh, make coffee for your boss here. These are a lot of cultural norms which which are very difficult and take time to address. Yes. But don't be afraid to speak up when you have to about this and to share the message by using soft power for good, to use social media as a platform for this here. And that is something tangible which um, I would advise anybody can do that won't require, if not any money, um, but to be active and engaged to civil society organizations, to reach out to people like me, I'm very approachable, and to ask and inquire more about what the United Nations is doing. Because it's important for us as an organization not to look as, you know, a building in any capital city and people don't know who we are. If I'm talking to someone who is marginalized and they don't know what we do, then I feel like a bit of me has failed um, in, in, in making them know what we're trying to achieve in this organization. Um, so, you know, when you have the opportunity to go to forums, to meet people who are working in international development, people who are working to try to improve democracy, um, don't feel intimidated. Approach, learn from them, be inspired, um, and be open. Um, to to their story of how they probably have been able to be where they are. Okay, thank you, Peter. Today we have talked about the youth development and youth development in Mongolia, the problems we are having, and the ways we can empower and inspire each generation, also sustainable development goals, and how we can influence, maybe how we can achieve these goals through little simple actions. And... Now, this is the end of the podcast, and thanks, thank you for the listeners, thank you for the educated community who have patiently listened this podcast from the beginning to the end. Thank you so much. Okay, goodbye. It's been a pleasure. Bye, Claire.